You are listening to Proof Text, a Glossa House podcast exploring scripture with Dr. T. Michael W. Halcombe and Dr. Frederick J. Long. Welcome and enjoy. Hello and welcome to Proof Text. I am Michael Halcombe and I'm here with my friend Fred Long. And uh, in Hawaii time, it's pretty early, so I still have some bags under my eyes. Uh, but Fred, I know you had a, a late evening la- uh, yesterday, last night, as you were... Uh, you know, doing some prayer ministry there in Wilmore. And so in this this episode, I, I really, that's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about this revival that's breaking out uh, in Wilmore. And I've seen it, I'm 4,000 plus miles away. Obviously, I'm an Asbury alum, so I'm interested in this. Um, just as a Christian, I'm interested in it. But uh so I, I have an out, a purely 100% outsider's perspective, whereas you have a 100% insider's perspective. And so I think it'll be interesting to sort of hear the two perspectives. And um, yeah, like my, I, I do want to say at the, the top here that my main concern um, with this episode of the podcast is I... I don't want to hijack the what's happening. Like I don't want to put out a podcast episode just to get views or likes or numbers or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as, as an outsider, I'm seeing that happen a lot. I'm seeing a lot of uh, people like, I'll just say names, like a guy named Michael Yeager, and he may be very genuine, but constant YouTube clips. I'm seeing Tampa feel the fire on YouTube. It's like taking all the clips of the Asbury thing that they can and putting them under their banner on YouTube and getting thousands of likes per video. And I'm not interested here in doing that kind of thing. And, you know, I don't know Yeager. I don't know Tampa feel the fire. I don't know their motives. Maybe they're just genuinely sharing but as an outsider, like posting all these clips every day, clips that aren't even their own under their name, like it just has like a little bit of a, a, a sketchy feel to it. So I want to say from the jump, like I'm not interested in that. I'm not trying to capitalize on what's going on. I'm curious. I'm a little bit envious. I want to kind of be there oh, and see what's happening. Yeah. But also, I, I know that, you know, the Spirit of God is here, too, in Hawaii. And, and uh, you know, I, I'm just praying daily. Literally, I've been praying daily for what's going on in Wilmore. Oh, thank and you. Um, we, we've yeah. been, people in our church have as well. Yeah. And, uh, so yeah. I, I had the opportunity to, to share some of this last Sunday, and people were excited and um, what I want to do in this episode, Fred, I know we have limited time, is I want to come at this from a few different angles. Like, again, as someone who's thousands of miles away, uh, I want to play the role of uh, you know, devil's advocate, like a skeptic. I want to play uh, the role of someone who just is curious and has questions, and then perhaps the role of ally and come at it from these various angles. Um, and so, uh, before I get going, is there anything like you want to, 
you want to say here or do you just want me to get rolling? No, I'd, I'd like to clarify something at the very start. Um, I wouldn't say that I'm an insider. I am. Uh, okay. I am. I would say I'm a participant in it. Uh, I happen to live in the same town. Uh, I attended Friday night. So the revival began Wednesday uh, noon, you know, at the chapel service. It continued, kind of grew small continued on and so i i showed up uh wednesday uh friday night and really was this there for like an hour 15 hour and a half was there about the same amount of time saturday night <clears throat> and then it was um tuesday that uh i became more involved uh by way of a prayer prayer ministry uh opportunity so uh, of course, I've been following posts, thinking, reflecting, uh, sharing, and uh, and my approach to sharing, I mean, probably about two months ago on Facebook or longer, I just have had this growing distaste for it, for the kind of self-aggrandizement that takes place, the self-promotion mm -hmm. on Facebook, yeah. and my temptation yeah. to do that, and it's I understand the the desire to want to share good news, but I also see a lot of dysfunction and um, I know things have been presented and I know the inside story and it's much less yeah. and, and there's negative aspects, aspects to it uh, just in terms of someone's post about some performance or something. Um, yeah. You know, and so I, I've pulled back from that about the only thing I will share are my, my catching of, you know, big fish or just something interesting like that. Um, so I have a mixed feelings about even sharing what I have on Facebook. I want to give testimony to what I've experienced. And I know that people are curious and I do want to draw attention to what is happening because it is a significant thing. So I want to be uh, kind of humble in my approach and, but just also just, I think people want to hear what's going on and, uh, and I, I think I, I really just want to keep pointing the finger up to this is a God thing. Yeah. And I believe it's a yeah. God thing. And to give kind of my professional assessment of it as someone who's skeptical, but very open to the move of God. Uh, and so, yeah. Um, yeah. So the, my initial piece that I wrote, I think it was Saturday, um, one of my colleagues right away said, we want to publish this. Or I think this is something that we can publish in Firebrand magazine. Which I this think, is this is after you and I talked on the phone, right? Yeah, I like, think I, or was I, this before? I can't remember. I posted like, it, but immediately he said, "Can you yeah. send this in a word file? We're going to send it to the editor." Yeah. So his that's Jason Vickers. So his piece has already been published. Jason Vickers' response, and I think mine is supposed to be at some point, unless they've not. Yeah, but it, you know, it's like a page reflection yeah. on it. And right. So anyway, yeah, just. So I'm I'm a participant. I wouldn't say I'm an insider. I know, you know, I've been at social gatherings, and I'd say I'm on really friendly terms with the president of the uh, of the university, uh, Kevin, and uh, the chapel. Uh, one of the chapel deans, uh, Greg uh, Hasselhoff. Um, so yeah. So and I know many people. Yeah. So I'll share from my inside perspective. I got involved with the prayer ministry. And it's been it's been kind of blowing my mind away. Um, so I've been mm. I sat at, at at the balcony Friday and Saturday, 
And then I got on the inside in terms of being right at the altar. Uh, and it's a little bit overwhelming. Uh, but then uh, I'm trying to prayerfully identify people I should pray for. <laughs> and I tell you, it's mm. a different experience being real close to the worship and the exuberant praise of God. Yeah. Uh, and then people pouring their heart out, sobbing. And then trying to be discerning of who to pray with, like uh, amongst others who are also doing this kind of ministry. Uh, and I, uh, so should I just continue just to my experience with that 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 prayer kind of thing, or do you want to stop me and then yeah. move around to that? Yeah, well, let let's circle back to that because okay. I I think when I, I come from the sort of ally perspective, I think that. That might be a good place to and, to hear some of that because I haven't heard. I heard your initial, you know, we talked on the phone, and I heard sort of initially this moment you had experienced, and even hearing that again would be good. I think others would benefit from that, but I haven't heard anything about this prayer yeah, yeah, thing. Yeah. You've been involved okay. in. Let me let me start by just playing a devil's advocate. I mean. Um, and sort of being skeptical about this. I mean, I, I'm seeing others online who are skeptical. And uh, just yesterday, I saw a clip of, I think it was a, the way the video was presented, was a foreign student who was attending maybe Asbury University and was having trouble paying their bills and really just surviving and in this clip he's talking about that and all of a sudden people just start flooding the altar and throwing gobs of money like dollar bills are just flying everywhere and like covering the stage uh, I don't know if you've seen that clip um, but I remember as a, a, a young Christian going to a Creflo dollar event at the Cincinnati Convention Center, and the same exact thing happened. Uh, people, literally, they had white gallon buckets, and they were loading all the money off the stage into them. But just seeing something like that um, is makes me a little bit, like, cringy, right? Like, makes it, or makes me cringe a little bit. Doesn't make me cringy. It makes the event a little cringy. Or, um, um, I'm seeing videos of people uh, in the balcony there with, you know, and, and they're singing along and then they'll start doing the ecstatic speech kind of thing. And like sort of making it kind of about that or trying to highlight this, what people would call speaking in tongues. I'm not calling it speaking in tongues, but the ecstatic speech kind of thing or, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, there's all kinds of things that raise some of the red flags for the skeptic side of me. And I I don't know. Like, so I, I don't even know how to, how to like, think about that um, other than the fact that, you know, anytime something like this is happening, like, all sorts of different people are going to show up. And oh, yeah. is it okay to be skeptical? Is it healthy to be skeptical? Maybe cautious is a better word, a more healthy word. I don't know. So, 
What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think it's good to be cautious, and that's fine. And just to be honest with um, how you're feeling with the Lord about it, you know, just, uh, you know, our tendency is to want to hide from God. I mean, it goes all the way back to the first story about walking or not walking with the Lord. And as soon as there was a misstep, uh, people are covering up and hiding. Um, I think people can hide in different ways. Uh, you know, it's most fools will criticize something. Um, you know, fools will criticize most, most of them do. And so there's, sounds like there's some angles to be critical. Like some of these, you know, if, if you think that you can take uh, something out of context, and, and if you focus on that one thing out of context, in and of itself, that act could be con portrayed so negatively. And yet, when you put it into its proper context, uh, maybe the event of the throwing of the money was just a symbol of, uh, of like, we're giving up money. And, and as a symbol, like, everything I have on me is on stage. Because there's no doubt that money for many people is an idol in the pursuit of it. Um, what will be, what will happen to that money? Maybe they gathered it up. Maybe it goes to a, a homeless ministry, a food pantry in town. Maybe it goes to scholarships for international international people. Maybe the money has gone to providing food. There's actually uh, behind the chapel. There's like a place of like food for those who are there all day. I mean, literally, people are are just dropping what they have and are just driving. So who knows what that money is used for? But, it, you know, money is a symbol of, you know, hard work. And, and but for some people, it's an idol. And so for them to throw it up and, and to give it up, you know, might be extremely generous, could be extremely sacrificial act. So, yeah, I just think you need to come with an open mind, uh, not a critical spirit. I and mean, if you're going to prejudge something, well, shame on you. Um, I understand the church has been abusive like in general like there's been all kinds of weird manipulations and these institutions are flawed uh i went attended friday night with a friend who used to work at the university and uh after and i i knew these circumstances under which he he, he left and um you know he was willing to go there's no issue we talked about it afterwards and he just said i needed to see that I needed to see that this could happen here, that this is happening because I have this kind of hurt, you know, and a little bit of confusion because of some of the issues. And they're very real issues, and I'm not going to say anything more about it. Um, you know, and I have my own issues with my own institution. And there's a history there. And it, it, and it comes back to individuals there um, and certain individuals. It, it goes back to policies. Uh, and, and these institutions are clunky. Uh, they become impersonal. They become self-protective. And uh, they are so against the threat or potential of litigation. And so then people begin to, to protect the institution. And that too often can be at the expense of individuals. These institutions are no different uh, you know, I used to teach at another institution, and I had a chance to talk with a former student of mine who's now teaching there, and a, a new a new colleague there, but who has some history with that institution. Um, it was great to talk with them. 
But that institution has gone through some heck terrible because of its connection with the denomination and a narcissistic president of that denomination who literally got many people fired and, and friends of mine. And so here are these two wonderful people there that are dedicated to this institution, but devastated by the crap that it's had to go through. Uh, you know, so it's, it's just, you know, we serve in these institutions. There are leaders that become narcissistic or whatever, wreak havoc, hurt people. But still, you know, as I came back to the seminary after my uh, sabbatical, I just have some kind of hard feelings because of some of the history with, with people and things at the seminary. But for me, it's about the students. It has always been about the students. And I love them dearly. And they are some of the most precious people in the whole wide world, sacrificing so much to be there and to subject themselves to our classes and to be the best men and women of God that they can be. And so, you know, at the university, I know they're trying their best. You know, I know Kevin, the president, is a man of high integrity and he wants the best. And Greg, who's facilitating the chapel and and the others there, I just trust that they are they are the best. Are there people there who are uh, a bit narcissistic, uh, blind, uh, uh, inadvertently abusive to people or neglectful? Yes. Same at the seminary. Am I that way sometimes? I think I have been at that time, you know, at times. There's been times when I've been not at my best. But um, this is a revival, however we want to call it. Some people want to call it a visitation. I think that's maybe a little bit better. I think we're stepping into something that has been prepared by way of prayer. I think it's a, a testimony that God is still alive and present and works and amidst his people. And you, you know, you're invited to come. Uh, I think revival or God's visitation can happen at any time, any place and does in all kinds of places. And Jesus was was uh, a walking instantiation of God's visitation. I mean, in fact, he said to the people who were rejecting him, you didn't recognize the, the, the day of your visitation, meaning Jesus himself. So this is a special visitation. There is a, a, a surprising normalcy about it when you're there. Uh, there it's just a, a worship time. Uh, there's some you know good teaching going on, um, some excellent music, which is very heartfelt and um, you know with some great lyrics that yeah they're repeated a lot. <laughs> some of the the lyrics are repeated a lot, you know. But as someone said, you know, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Heaven and earth is full of His glory. Apparently, this is like a mantra that's going on in heaven constantly. So for us to to subject ourselves and to utter things that are repetitious is not a problem to me, particularly when those things are are lifting up our, our, our God and are speaking truth that needs to kind of work its way into our souls. So God is present. I believe God is a real person and he can be felt and experienced. Uh, why is he not that way more often? I think he can be that way more often. 
You know, mm, are we yeah, sure. are we seeking the Lord? Are we right. have? Is it maybe the the case that we've dulled our spiritual sense by filling ourselves with distractions? And as I was praying with a couple of young people, this was this was an issue, you know. And and the fact is, is that we can bombard ourselves with all kinds of activities, devices streams, videos, YouTubes, Netflix. I mean, my Lord, there are so many shows and it's the same iteration. And I know because I've been lonely, I've been hurt and have been in those places where I just want to be entertained passively. So I'm just watching these shows and I'm there's a point where it's just like, you know, this is just not satisfying. And they're trying to to appeal to us to our sense of adventure, our sense of longing for uniqueness. And the Christian life provides that significance, <laughs> identity, mission, excitement, authenticity, realness. That's what God is, that's where God is meeting us right, right now in this space and uh, challenging people. And I think they recognize that. That's why they come to the altar uh, bowing down, prostrate on the ground, sobbing, weeping. Uh, so yeah, God is tangible. Come with an expectant heart. Um, if you're doubting, fine, still come and observe. And you'll, I think you might recognize, well, this is not so weird. Uh, maybe it's a little bit like a rock concert at times. But what's wrong with the rock concert? What's wrong with, with being with a group of people celebrating something? I mean, we do that around football games, basketball games, whatever. Let's do a little bit of shouting. Like, that's fine. Um, yeah, so those are, that's some of my initial thoughts. Well, you, you mentioned, you mentioned um, institutions and the issues that come with that. As, as someone at a distance... Too, I've squirmed a little bit like I have seen the like every video pretty much I've seen has been called Asbury Revival mm. um, and sort of yeah. branding it with Asbury that makes me squirm a little yeah. bit that we have to brand it yeah. uh, somehow and that it's I don't know. I, I guess I can see both sides. Look, it's it's happening at an institution that has perhaps cultivated the space for this and nurtured yes. the space for this. Absolutely. And, and I get that. But at the same time, like I, 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 I do squirm a little bit, admittedly, hearing it called the Asbury Revival yeah, sure. or, you know, Tim Tennant, the president of the seminary, wrote a blog post calling it the Asbury Awakening. And um, just the fact that the name Asbury has to be attached to it, uh, I don't know, like, how I feel about yeah. that. I know I feel, or I should yeah. say, I feel two ways about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, so that, yeah. that's another thing that, yeah. as an outsider, I'm a little in. Yeah. And then one other thing that really made me uncomfortable was I've, I've been seeing signs outside now because I've been seeing like the lines, like they're wrapping all the way down the street, right? Oh, there's like, like 5,000 people, people there the other night. Over yeah, 5,000. no parking in Wilmore. Oh, yeah. But I saw a sign out front that 
said 25 and only 25 and under during these hours only. And I was like, what? So we're, we're now limiting this. Like I, and I, I guess I get that. Look, this was kind of started by young people, college people. They want to keep that going. They don't want adults, but I mean, they're adults, right? Like they don't want adults to get in the way. But, like, that to me, just something feels really, really off about, like, age limiting it. 25 and under only during these hours and, like, from a distance. That makes me super uncomfortable. And here's what I saw in that. Like, how quickly we humans have the desire and propensity to want to control. And, uh... Like I'm, I'm at a distance again. So yeah. maybe you can help me, like sure. think through some of that. Oh yeah. But so I was there the, last the night. Branding of yeah. Asbury and the age limiting. Yeah. Boy, I, I squirm a little bit of both yeah. of those. I wrote at one point um, as I was reflecting on this that I'm glad to be a part of a tradition, a Christian tradition, that is open and values this this kind of phenomenon of of, of affirming God's presence. Uh, seeking it through repentance and worship and teaching. You're talking about the Wesleyan holiness. Yeah, tradition. Wesleyan holiness tradition, and that's what Asbury. We're both that. Yeah, and that's what yeah. Asbury is firmly a part of. Uh, and I know for a fact that this is not accepted or open or welcome in other traditions. In fact, uh, I was talking with my wife, who's who's uh, uh, half German, and understands the European context. And she's like, this is, we don't do this. Like, <laughs> this is not, you know, like it's, that, we just don't do this, you know? And, and yet she can remain open. And it's like, maybe there's some aspect that this is part of a cultural expression. Absolutely. God respects and meets us in our cultural locations. And so why not? Um, and maybe this has happened in different kinds of ways in, in European contexts. Um, you know, his, historically, I mean, there's been some revival movements and reformation has taken place in that context. And, but, you know, maybe a, the kind of corporate kind of way that this is expressing. Um, I, I met, I just had bre- uh, coffee with another fellow this, this morning who comes out of a Presbyterian uh, culture and he's uh, grew up Catholic and he's like, we don't do this kind of thing in Presbyterian cultures, <laughs> church cultures. So, so to call it Asbury is 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 kind of branding it. Certainly, it's descriptive and it's laying ownership to it, and I suppose also taking responsibility for it. Um, in other words, owning it. There has been some problems with it. Now, in the Stone Campbell, the Stone Campbell movement. Uh, which arose out of Presbyterianism, but they had to leave, yeah. <laughs> apparently. And I don't, you can speak more to this than not. Baptist and Presbyterian. What? Yeah. Yeah. Baptist and Presbyterian. Yeah. So you can, that's part of your tradition, but that's about an hour. My old tradition. That's an hour away from here, a little more than an hour away. Yeah. Uh, opposite direction on 68. I've been at that site and tw- yep. tens of thousands of people showed up there 20,000 yeah. or so 
I don't know how long it lasted, but it, it created the what's called the Stone Campbell movement, the Church of Christ and Christian churches. It's called the Cane Ridge Revival. Cane Ridge Revival. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, and and so we would we would call it. You know, they it might have its own name. So yeah, I get I get the yeah. the the little bit of uneasiness about the Asbury revival. Um, I think long term, this will help secure student a student base, a support base for these institutions. I'm okay with that, um, as long as mm-hmm. we stay true to our mission. And um, I would say also that I think if Asbury our institutions were squandering our calling and not being faithful to it and, and really going the wrong direction. I don't think that this would be happening here. Like, I think there is a preparation of, of pursuit of holiness and true confession and a desire to be pleasing to God and, and countless hours on, on one's knees. Uh, I, I know a faculty who may be, I, I really appreciate this guy, but he's also, there's like, I've been praying for this. Now it's happening, you know? So, right. Um, he's really well-intended, huge name. Um, I think there's been many people praying for this and hoping for this. Uh, there's been a fellow walking around town for three years with a Jesus placard on like praying. I think he's even saying praying for revival. So, Mm. so what are the, what are the factors that have caused this? I I don't know, but in terms of stewarding it um, and labeling it, I mean, that is taking responsibility for it too. So I was there last night when they made the announcement about the youth. So this is what's going on is people are getting tired. This has been going on all night for several nights, they stopped it last night at one o'clock. They just they just said, "Look, mm-hmm. we've been prayerfully thinking what to do. We need to stop this tonight." Uh, and he listed re- they listed reasons. They said, uh, "We need to take care of our children. Uh, we need rest. Uh, people need rest. We we need to keep praying and thinking through how to s- support this going on, but responsibly." responsibly to do that and uh we just need a break okay and uh but then they said but for those of you who are 25 and younger we want to keep this available another extra hour at this other location so i think that is actually an attempt to uh give space and not control it recognizing that this initiated from the youth and and seems to be maybe especially for them in a certain kind of way because that's where it originated out of. And so there are youth coming from all over who I know are being impacted. I mean, I spoke, spoke to one young man and he's like, I need prayer. Uh, I'm feeling maybe I'm called to be a missionary or to give my life more fully. Uh, another guy was saying, I don't know that I've given it fully enough. I want to give it even more fully. So this is impactful for young folk. And I think that move to keep this open is an attempt to say, we need to put limits, but, but we also want to give you your own space. And I think it's to prevent adults, older adults who may be co-opting it. 
And it's to say, if you're older than 25, this is not a time for you. You've had your time. Uh, this is for the youth. Uh, and so, uh, so yeah, I'm okay with uh, that. Well, yeah, I'm okay with that. You know, they can go continue having their time elsewhere, but, <laughs> uh, but, you know, for those who are younger and who will be ministered by peers, that's a time for them. I'm okay with that. I, I have a hard time thinking of like at on the at Pentecost that that Peter and whoever was present would be like, oh no 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 no, like this is for only twenty five and older or thirty five and twenty five and younger or thirty five and older. Like I just have a hard time wrapping my mind around that. Uh, again, I'm I'm at a distance i'm an outsider like i don't know all the logistics but uh okay well let me try to I, explain I guess a little I, bit i mean this is taking place yeah, i guess i hear what you're saying this is, this is taking place yeah. at a university and again by this the way i started the episode happen. saying hold on hold on i started the episode saying at various points i'm playing sort yeah. of a different role yeah so i'm about to leave this sort of skeptical role <laughs> okay. and then come into the ally role but um yeah, so I'm I'm asking this sort of from a more skeptical perspective, but go ahead. Yeah, I mean, what's an hour going to affect anything? You know, you could say, well, yeah, what is an hour going to affect thing? Why well, give them an extra hour space? I I think it's just to recognize, look, this started with youth at the college age level. It started with them at the chapel. It began with with that age group. And it, I think that the leadership who's kind of trying to steward this, they're, I mean, that's what they said. We're trying to do the right thing here. We're praying. We're trying to understand what's going on. We're trying to listen. There's a lot of listening going on. And I'm trusting that in that leadership, they, they, they heard we need to give them some extra space. So that's part of the discernment there. I, and I'm going to trust that because... I think it's very, gotcha. I think it's very possible that they want to, uh, protect that. Yeah. Okay. So there's logistically, uh -huh. I mean, it's wild to see the, the lines forming. I can't imagine what those who are on like a janitorial staff, like oh, all yeah. the extra work this is created for restrooms and, uh, food. I mean, there's only a couple restaurants there in Wilmore. Uh, there's not really much place to stay. I know you and a couple others have opened your house, but um, just the parking situation, like I can't, I mean, Wilmore is not built to handle this, right? So logistically, like it seems like it would be a nightmare. Um, and I just wonder, I've heard some reports of police having to get involved. Like there've been some problems with people. Yeah. And, um, yeah. A friend of mine um, said that he texted, he said, Hey, is the national guard there? I'm like, Oh my gosh, I don't know. And so as I'm driving in yeah. Wilmer from the backside, I see these, you know, a police pull people over, but I'm like, Oh my gosh, what's going on? I hear some sirens. I'm like, maybe something bad is going on. Well, I talked to a police officer this morning at the coffee shop. Uh, and I said, I heard there's National Guard. He goes, no, no, uh, there was a special sheriff's unit that was dressed in uh, brown. 
And I'm thinking someone mm. misunderstood that that was, you know, like military. So, mm. so yeah, yeah, the, interesting. It's it's yeah. jammed. I mean, parking there is jammed. Uh, even arriving like at eight o'clock at night, uh, you have to park very far away. And I I don't even, you know, I I haven't been p- policing, you know, like really looking at that. But yeah, I mean, we have these huge parking lots though by the seminary. Those new huge parking lots that you know. So I think. People are finding spaces, mm. but yeah, it's challenging. And p- people are sharing on posts, you know, like I'm frustrated. Like this is my space. I want to have my chapel service and yeah. not have it be right. infiltrated by thousands of people and stuff like that. Um, but then they, right. they came around in their, in their posts. They, they, she, you know, she just shared, you know, this is not about me and, and you need yeah. to show hospitality to people. So yeah, I, I, uh, I know many people are opening their houses. I have a big house. It's my kids are grown and gone. And I, I just thought I need to offer this to people. And, um, so I had a couple of nights free, uh, and I thought it was odd that, that no one had claimed that space. I mean, it's a big space. Like, and I'm like, this is a little bit weird. I was like, I don't know what's going on. Well, so I was at the service a couple of nights ago and, uh, right before I was about to leave, uh, there was a guy and he came down, he was Latino, uh, and, uh, older guy about my age, maybe. And I just thought, I'm going to pray for him, you know? And I just said, uh, hi, how's it going? You know? And, and he goes, Oh, I just got here. It's like, where did you come from? And he said, Boston, they drove straight through to oh. Boston. And I said, where are you going to stay? Cause oh, we're going to find a hotel. And I said, I've got a space available for two nights. He goes, Oh my gosh, you're kidding me. You're kidding me. So I gave him instructions how to access the house. We exchanged phone numbers and texts. And I thought, well, I guess that was why no one claimed Mm. my space so that this guy could arrive and have this offer. And, uh, you know, so I felt this is great to participate in the work of God. Sadly. So I texted him, I gave him, the house address. I turned the lights on. I told mm. him I turned the lights on. Gave him the code to get into the house, <clears throat> and I just said, "Look, I'm. I got to go to bed, you know. But you're welcome to come and go, mm. whatever." I woke up in the morning. I had to teach uh, Wednesday, and I thought, oh, "I wonder if I'll see their car in the driveway." I told them where to park and how to access downstairs. They weren't there, and I texted. I said, "What? Are you okay?" And he goes, "Yeah, we showed up. We weren't sure it was the right house." We tried using the code for the garage door opener and they were afraid to walk into the backyard. Like, you know, and I'm like, Oh no. Yeah. And they started driving back to Boston and I thought, Oh wow. Yeah. He says, we'll be back. And so we're, we've, we made a connection. He does Brazilian ministry. I taught leadership course to Brazilians. He does a podcast. Mm. It was a, it was a divine appointment uh for sure for sure so we're gonna there's gonna be follow-up but there was just a little fumble and i i feel partly responsible for not giving better clarity i don't know it was weird or the lord's moving in other ways i i don't know but you know so it's kind of a weird thing so when you're so i i signed up to do the prayer ministry i heard i was at choir practice tuesday and uh, the guy next to me said, yeah, there's going to be a prayer training. And it, 
And at that point, I'm like, well, I have an appointment at one o'clock. But, you know, in my heart, I'm thinking this. Well, the guy sitting next to me in choir said, because uh, I feel like I need to say to you that this is going to be a logistical challenge for you. The Lord knows that. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so apparently this guy has a prophetic word or word of knowledge and tells me this is going to be difficult. So I text my one o'clock appointment and say, hey, can we reschedule? And and he said, sure, we'll reschedule. So I'm like, okay, my, my schedule just opened up. So I go over there. It was a great training session, 45 minutes talking about spirit-led, uh, you know, being sensitive to the spirit, respectful of people, do's and don'ts, could be spiritual possession issues. When you pray, look at people to see what's going on, ask them this and that. So we got some really detailed instructions on how to do this. We were able to have a, a name tag, so we were do it. They're, they're keeping track of us. We signed in. How are we affiliated? How did we find out about it? Great. So I show up Tuesday night uh, for prayer. Um, I had been fasting for two days. I felt like I just needed to fast for, I've been gaining a little bit of weight, and I just thought, I don't know, I'll just start fasting. I broke my fast that evening uh, because I had dinner with my, my uh, one of my sons and my daughter, one of my daughters. And I thought, well, this is a good time to break the fast because I'll have energy going into the evening because usually I'm so spent in the evening. So I have this meal and uh, with my, my children, and then I have energy. I'm like, I'm ready to go. Go there, and it's a bit overwhelming. I mean, there's all these people here, and there's some people who know what, they seem like they know what to do, and they just go diving in. I mean, they're almost like head first, face-to-face uh, -face with people, you know, Uh because it's loud and you're up at the front and there's a lot of worship. And so I start kind of walking and I'm praying like, who do I, who do I pray with? Cause I had done a prayer ministry before at that same chapel where I went up to somebody for prayer and I felt like it just wasn't right. This was many years ago. And the student kind of rebuffed me, like leave me alone. So I remember that from the past. Uh, so I'm being very cautious. So I, so there's many of us who are doing this back and forth, looking, and some will go in. We're trying to be respectful. Some people have been prayed for, then the person prayed for them leaves, and the person stays there. So I don't want to repeat, you know, and annoy people, because I want to respect people's space. Like, I know what it's like to be there. And sometimes you just need some space alone and just to, you know, process. So I see this person at the altar, and, like, no one has gone to them. I don't know if it's a guy or a gal, a man or a woman. Uh, I'm about to go and I hear something like uh, I've prayed for them or I'm going to pray for them or something like that. And I stop. Now, I don't know who said that, but it stopped. And right then someone else came and prayed with them. So it was a pause to what I was going to do. I don't know why, but I heard it. I don't know who spoke it, but it was spoken uh, or I discerned it through the triangulation of the voices that that's what I heard, I stopped. So then I'm like, okay, well, who am I supposed to pray for? Could you make it clear to me? And so I'm standing there and then someone walks down, rocks right past me and kneels down right in front of me. So at this point, it's clear who I'm supposed to pray for. This person hasn't been there before. No one else is by them. He's like a, two feet away from me. So I leaned down and start. we had this wonderful time of prayer. So this was 
this is, I mean, it's bizarre. Like, so this kind of thing is really bizarre. Like, how do you explain this? Um, last night, I was the same kind of thing. And by the way, it took me about a half hour to kind of feel like I was in the flow of who to be praying for. And um, so last night, there was this person who was at the altar. I didn't know guy or gal, does, I don't know. They were there for quite a while, and I just noticed that no one was going to them. I mean, this was like 15 minutes. And last night, there were these two men that were like eagle-eyed, prayer. I mean, they were so focused on jumping in, and, and, and they I could tell that they were in a kind of a mode. I, I pray and hope it was a good mode, but they were there. They were doing it, and they had a kind of a sense, you know, and yet they weren't touching this person. And I'm like, this is weird, you know? So eventually I'm like, okay, I think it's my turn. You know, I'm going to, this person. So I went down and this person was a, a, a young woman. She was sobbing. She was sobbing and crying. And I said, can I, can I help you? Can I pray for you? And I said, what's going on? You know, has someone hurt you? Is there, you know, what can I pray for? And I said, are you, uh, she says, I'm afraid of leaving here because I won't experience this when I, where I go back to. And mm. she goes, I'm not a Christian. She goes, I'm a Hindu. And uh, I, I attend a Christian college, and I'm going to miss this presence. I'm going to miss the presence of God here. This is so wonderful. And, and um, so I, I talked to her about Jesus. She's heard a lot about Jesus. We talked to her. You know, I said, yeah. I, I said, well, you know, God is, there's one God. He's a triune. You know, the Hindus believe in thousands of gods. She goes, yes, we do. We do. You know, and I, I know the Christian message, you know, and everything. It wasn't oppositional to me, but I just felt this connection yeah. with this young woman. Now, my son is dating and in love with uh, a Hindu uh, woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, I pray for them. I need to pray for them more. Uh, I, I know my son loves, he, he is such a sweet person and he identifies as a Christian, you know, and um, this is very close to my heart. Yeah. And I just felt this connection with this young woman. She said, you know, I've been recently divorced, you know, and she shared with me, I shared that with her. And she said, my parents separated after 20 one or 23 years of marriage. And I'm like, Oh, I'm, I'm breaking for you. I'm sure they feel terrible. And, you know, we, you know, like I care for my kids. I'm sure they care for you. And, uh, anyway, so I just had this connection with this young woman and, um, you know, prayed over her, prayed with her. To me, I can't explain how that happened. Why no one else prayed for this woman for about 15 minutes or 10 minutes when there are people just hawkishly, praying over people why was that space opened up it wasn't like there were like people all around her because sometimes that was happening like groups of people she was there by herself for a long period of time and it was like it was meant to be that i would pray and speak with this person i shared my email with her um i didn't i don't have any of her email or any information i said i would love to hear from you again um, if, if yeah. you can, so there's nothing creepy about it. You know, I'm not, I don't have her yeah. phone number or anything. So it's totally up to her initiative. Um, I can't explain stuff like that. You know, that is, 
that is beyond normal circumstances in my estimation, like the kind of mutual blessing that is happening. And I can share other uh, things. One fellow I talked with was up there and um, he's like, I want to give my life more. I just want to make sure that I'm, I've given everything. And he starts sharing about his uh, family life and the dysfunction there and the hurtfulness of that. And yet he loves his parents and these kinds of things, you know, um, he happens to be like an ancient language person and like Greek. And, <laughs> and so I just had this connection with this fella, you know, and I just, I, I shared the story, your story, just a little bit, not by name, but the need for boundaries. And that's what word I felt like he needed to hear, uh, Mm. Uh, and my own experience, but I, you know, just related your experience and the need for those boundaries. And I said, you know, maybe you need some boundaries with your folks if they're not helpful right. for you. And I, you know, I didn't mention you by name, yeah. Michael, but I almost felt That's like okay. mm. I need him to talk to you. And, and, you know, mm. So what are the chances mm. that the, the, the kinds of people that I mean? So I, I, I pray with maybe eight, nine people. And I've shared the story of about half of them uh, yeah. or more. And I'm dumbfounded by it. I'm dumbfounded by it. And it was looking yeah. at it. No, well, looking at it from the ally perspective. I mean, again, just watching some of the videos, uh, it's very powerful, even from a distance. And it's cool, like daily. I've been um, I've been sharing the videos with my daughter, and mm. she's like, "Oh, I want to be there! Mm -hmm. you know, I want to be there! It's not fair!" Yeah, <laughs> like, so she's pretty excited about it. Mm -hmm. And and then as an ally, um, you know, I've heard things like the president of the university got up to speak and introduced himself as Kevin, you know, not as the president, which is very sort of humble. I heard yesterday that a big time, sorry, my dogs might start going nuts here, but um, like a big time, well-known worship leader phoned the university to ask if they could help. And uh, the university declined saying, no, you know, our students mm. are taking care of it. Mm. That, that was like a really, you know, that was moving and powerful to me. I'm seeing people say, we're not going to know this is a true revival until it's over and until we see it bear fruit. And I find that frustrating as well uh, because it seems like it already is bearing fruit and like it's happening in real time. Why does, where does this parameter for we have to wait till it's finished? Yeah. To, uh, so I've, I've seen th two or three people posting that sort of thing online and sharing about that yeah. online. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. I'm I'm curious about your thoughts on that, and then we can sort of wrap up here. Yeah, I think I think there's a lot of armchair quarterbacking going on, and it's just a little bit silly to me. Uh, I think people want integrity. There's going to be co-opting that's going on. Uh, this was happening with the gospel proclamation at the start. Uh, you know, Paul talks about people preaching the gospel out of envy. So there's going to be people who want to lay claim to something that's not really theirs to lay claim to. Um, so I, 
yeah i i don't i it's already it's already born fruit uh right. it's already born fruit it is bearing fruit and it's not like i need to have the need to 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 justify it or you know to try to defend it, it you know it is what it is uh, i think we're i think god always you know my first post like there's revivals hap- happening all the time uh little little visitations big visitations these happen um i think we just have to give space to it uh give space to it uh by way of like confessing our sins to one another, praising God, uh, basking things, uh, putting them into context of prayer and and active prayer. Um, you know, I'm learning a lot here. I'm still reflecting on this. I am, I've always been expect, I think we need to be expected that God is going to show up. I've had God show up in my life in amazing and direct ways. He is a person and, uh, he is a spirit though, you know, so, uh, the context in which we live, uh, I think the energy field, which scientists see is beneath everything. There's like an energy field. They can't explain it. It seems responsive when, when it's observed, it, it moves. So it seems to be conscious of being observed. Some people will talk about there being consciousness as the basis of all reality. Well, yeah, duh. God is ultimate consciousness, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Hebrews talks about the word, the word of Christ's power that sustains everything. So everything is sustained by the word of his power. And what does that mean? What does that mean? It means that God is everywhere and that, that he sustains all things. And if God is other, he's holy, if he's loving, if he's uh, all-knowing, then that's what surrounds us. He's full of grace and truth. So underlying all of reality is is this sustaining, loving presence of God, and he is he is so close to us. Paul says he, his word is so close to us. In Romans was it ten? His word is so close to us. So, I mean, I was in the choir, this potential, this future choir practice room. It's being constructed right now. And on the wall were written words. And I'm like, oh, I wonder, you know, between the studs. And I thought, maybe this was here when I was a student. You know, maybe they this was uncovered, you know, because people do stuff. They mm-hmm. And I wasn't, so I was yeah. trying to figure out, I was like, what is it? And I said, no, these are new studs. Um, oh, and I, I started reading. It was a verse. And the Lord's presence fell upon me in such a tangible way. I was like, I was not expecting it, but I was reading his words, reading the word of God. And it was about mm-hmm. making Psalms and, you know, make, uh, you know, praising the Lord, make a joyful sound to the Lord. And, and I just, I didn't know, I don't always know what to do with the Lord's presence. It sometimes scares me. I don't know how long to stay in it. Uh, I don't want to try to manipulate it. And so I kind of freeze up yeah. and I, I, I don't always know what to do. I don't think I always respond well. I'm a, a little bit afraid of it, honestly. But it was mm-hmm. there, and it was unexpected. I came to learn that, well, and I wanted to write. I thought, oh, I want to add something to this. Uh, so I left. I saw Patty Walker. She's the office. Uh, she works for our advanced research program. She was just leaving. 
And I told her about that, just that it was there. She goes, oh, yeah, they were there two weeks ago, the choir, uh, and they prayed and they were singing songs and they wrote these verses out. And she goes, you should write the, a verse there. I didn't tell her that I wanted to do that. <laughs> She's like, there's a pen, you know, come tomorrow. There's a marker pen. Yeah, you should do it. Well, that's exactly what I did. That's why I, I went there the next day with my marquee and I wrote out Ephesians 5. And that verse was not there. I mean, there's about 15 verses there, but mm. not the one, which I think has the most singing and praising in it. You know, be filled with the Spirit, making melody in your heart to the Lord, singing and praising, giving thanks always. So that's what I wrote out. What does that mean? The Lord meets us in our praise. The Lord inhabits his praise, and he needs people to do that. We need to do that more. Um, he prepares spaces through prayer and, and consecration. He wants us to be consecrated. He wants us to consecrate our houses. He wants us to fill these spaces with praise and his word. And his spirit's going to be a part of that. Uh, we're, we're really just walking into where he already is. And this is what Jesus was doing is he was walking around representing and being the kingdom of God. The rule of God, where God rules on earth, was where Jesus is and was. And so we see him uh, going into dark places and bringing God's presence there and teaching his disciples not to be afraid of Caesarea Philippi, which is a, was a very pagan place, uh, temples dedicated to the emperor, uh, the, the gate of to the underworld Hades. And why did he take them there to confess, you know, who do people say that I am? Who do you say that I am? You are the son of God. You are the Christ. And he says, on my rock, I'll build my church. And the gates of Hades are not going to stand against the church. So the Lord is about invading spaces. We prepare spaces, especially for the Lord's presence to be felt. It begins with us. We are the temple space. It's with our people, the people of God. And I think this kind of revival, this kind of visitation should be regular, should be regular. Paul yeah. says, if an outsider or unbeliever walks in and you're all prophesying, the, the, the secrets of their hearts will be disclosed. Their hearts will be opened up. They'll be convicted by all. And this unbeliever will say, God is truly here. God is truly among yeah. you. I think that should be a norm. We just need to give space well, does to it. This, does this, what you're calling a visitation, others a revival or awakening, does it show signs of abating? I mean, you mentioned that it stopped. Um, I don't think you mean like permanently stopped, but they paused. They, they then, the organizers paused it and said, the chapel will yeah. will reopen at noon tomorrow. Now, people were standing outside the chapel. They were there. It was raining cats and dogs today. Um, a, 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 a couple, young couple stayed with me last night. They drew, I met them, had breakfast with them this morning here. And I said, go, you know, if you can go to the seminary chapel, 11. I'm sure that service was full. I didn't go. Yeah. Um, so, I'm assuming it's going to continue. Um, I 
Let's, I think it let's could last a while. I think it could last a while. If it doesn't, no yeah. biggie. I I think it will yeah. because people are hungry. We're we've been through hell in a handbasket with COVID and and the different kinds of things happening in this world. I think people yeah. are very hungry. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Well, that, that raises a whole other set of questions. I mean, it's interesting to think about the juxtaposition of a revival starting pretty much simultaneously with the earthquake. one of the largest yeah. earthquakes in the world yeah. happening in Turkey and Syria. Yeah. So, I mean, just that alone, we could do a lot of thinking about. But as we wrap up here, uh, tell people, just as we're on our way out, about your initial your initial encounter with the Lord, with, with the spirit, mm. this revival, one you and I talked about on the phone a few weeks ago or yeah. not a few weeks ago, but last weekend. Yeah. So let's end with that. Sure. So I, I arrived Friday night in the chapel with my friend. Um, we sat there for maybe an hour, 15 minutes or so, hour and 15. Within the first 10, 15 minutes, there were, we arrived right when the speaker was giving a threefold kind of charge for us to do something. I can't remember what the first one was or the third one, but the second one was a call for unity. And the unity, he said, if if you have something against somebody, uh, text them right now, get right, email them, whatever you need to do, get right with them right now. And so I, I look, I'm in the balcony, I look down and across the way, standing facing me almost directly across from where i was was uh the man who had an affair with my former wife um in 2010 and that the, mm. the 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 fallout from that for me has been horrendous horrendous yes. awful um there were other affairs uh divorce eventually my kids uh, struggling in different ways, hurting, you know, like any kids would be. I don't want to share too yeah. much. I love them dearly. I love them dearly. But it led to some estrangement and feelings of estrangement, whether it's real or not with them. And even though I, I'm like, I, what did I do? <laughs> like, I didn't do anything. I, I tried to fought for the marriage. Count, we went to all kinds of counseling, read books. I forgave, I forgave. Um, well, so as I'm sitting there and I'm like, do I need to go talk with this man? We've already talked on the phone earlier. I feel like I might be even more triggered or like, uh, you know, and in my heart, I was like, I don't think I need to talk to him. It's not like I'm unforgiving of him. I, for, I forgave him. And, and my, my attitude towards him is like, I'm glad he's here. And I felt this really heartfelt. I'm glad he's a believer. Um, and so I, I didn't feel like I needed to do anything, but I also saw him standing with his daughter and his daughter was kind of leaning into him. And, and one of the hurtful things, you know, for me is just being estranged from, from, uh, one of my daughters in, in a kind of a hurtful way. I love her so much. Um, and I know she's processing it in the way that she needs to. And so, but I'm at this point, I'm getting a little bit embittered. <laughs> I'm like, okay. His life gets to kind of go on normally. Mine has really, I mean, the, there's been financial implications, emotional, 
physical health. And I'm a little bit embittered, you know, and uh, just at the situation you know, with the Lord. And right at that moment when I'm processing, this is all happening so fast, you know, seeing him with his daughter, someone from behind me uh, plays with my head very playfully, you know, rubs it like this, you know, I'm bald. So, you know, kind of sensitive. And she, and I hear this voice saying, yeah, that's my dad. And right then and there, my daughter, one of my daughters was walking by me. And I just Amazing. felt like, okay, the Lord sees my situation. It's He knows how hard it's been. All is not lost. I still am going to keep trusting the Lord. And it was my daughter, Hannah. And um just very thankful for her. And um yeah, the timing of that. So that happened within like the first 10 to 20, 10 to 20 minutes. I'm like, this is incredible. Now, um, yeah, so is this the timing? I guess what strikes me, Michael, about how God works, when I'm seeing how God works, is we have to be on the move. We need to be seeking him. And he's going to arrange divine intersections and, and appointments with people. We just have to be moving and and expectant of that. And I'm talking like this this way of thinking is going to allow us to meet with other believers, to to encourage each other, to pray. Uh, when we have someone that's put onto our heart, text them, call them, say, hey, how are you doing? The Lord's put you in my heart. Say a prayer for them. Um, so many times I've had that feeling. Sometimes I act, sometimes I don't. Within a day or so, that person will reach out to me. And I'm like, ah, I could have blessed them. Instead, they blessed me, you know, by reaching out and saying, how's it going? This has happened so many different times. It happens with my wife, um, uh, Christina. We, you know, this kind of thing happens, this kind of synchronicity of of this. So, and what I experienced with praying for people at the, at the altar was these were meant to be for our mutual encouragement. And for us to think, I have only something to give. It's me saving the world, me doing everything. That's a wrong attitude. It's it's a mutual blessing. And so even as I'm praying with these individuals, offering myself, they are touching me and blessing me. Uh, God loves his people. They're doing amazing things. There's some hurting people. I got to pray for a, a little eight-year-old adoptive girl. Um, pray for her. She's came out of an abusive situation and is having, was having nightmares. And so her, her adoptive parents said, she, would you please pray for her? And, and I was willing to pray boldly and directly to stop those nightmares. And Lord, uh, I also wanted to say she's processing stuff, you know, help her to process. But, you know, um, prayed for her. Um, so anyway, yeah, so that's, that's my story, uh, my experience so far. Um, I think people probably have way more amazing things to share. That's just my encounter that God is personal and meets us. And we just have to be willing to confess our sins, you know, be pure a little bit, not be so distracted by stuff. Like it's okay to be alone. It's okay to be honest with God, like really honest. Like I'm afraid to, you might call me to be a missionary. Like go ahead and tell him that. And just, you know, he loves us so much and he wants to fellowship with our spirit. Jesus had this kind of fellowship and he offers it to us. It's, it's very possible. Yeah, it's very possible. Let's, let's 
be expectant about this and and uh, give God a chance. Give God a chance. He he'll yeah. he'll show up for us. I, I believe it. Well, Fred, thanks for for sharing. Um, I think probably there are people out there like me who have a skeptical side to them that's at work, a, a cautious side to them that's at work, and then the ally side that's at work, um, uh, whether that's people who are from a distance or able to go in person. Um, and again, everybody, it's it's that kind of thing, you know, when COVID hit, like automatically everybody seemed, online seemed to be COVID experts. And now like that this is hitting, everybody online seems to be a revival expert and, you know, what, constitutes a revival and what doesn't and blah, 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 blah. Everybody's making videos to give their two cents. And so my, my sincere hope is that this video doesn't come across as we're know-it-alls or that we're trying to co-opt or hijack or get likes. Like I really just want, my hope was that people would hear uh, what's going on sort of on the ground and then also feel like they could come here as a place that maybe like their questions and concerns were voiced as well. Yeah. And so um, that's, yeah. that's really all I hope from this, but I know you got things to get on to. Yeah. So people um, just like open up to each other, really confess your sins to one another. I mean, really take that seriously, you know, and I think we're, I think why this doesn't happen as much or why, you know, why this kind of experience of the Lord is that we're we're afraid to to talk and to share, and and we're all kind of hiding. Let's not hide anymore. Life is just too short. I think our worship services don't allow enough room for this kind of thing, for like a, a testimony, and then it's like a Facebook kind of self-aggrandizement, you know, self-promoting, and that's not going to help. So how do we get to this kind of real honest sharing? That's what we need. Uh, humility and honest sharing, confession and praise and open it, opening up the word of God. Yeah, let's do We This is possible. Yeah, yeah, we can do this. Thanks, Michael, for reaching out to me and uh, everybody. Yeah, thanks for listening to our podcast. And um, yeah. Yeah. All right, Fred. Well, thanks for sharing and thanks everybody else for listening and watching. We hope this was helpful until next time. Aloha. See ya.